Welcome to the Programmatic Digest podcast, where we cover top programmatic and digital news. I'm your host, Ellen Parker, your very own programmatic sensei. Thank you for joining us. And before we get into today's conversation, please do me those three small favors. Follow us on Apple iTunes and leave us a review. Like and comment on social media. We are currently on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and very soon to be on YouTube, y'all. And finally, sign up to the newsletter on the website, programmaticdigest.com. It sends you one reminder every new episode or once a month as a recap. Welcome to the Programmatic Sunset's Corner, Mark Shalin. That's how you pronounce it, right? Did I, did I butcher no. it already? Shalin. Okay, cool. Feel free to call me out because I always tend to not let people know how they pronounce my name. And so I'm trying to do better so that I can do better with others. So feel free I've, to, yeah. I've found that people like yourself where, you know, in English, it's not completely phonetically spelled. Oh, yeah. uh, they usually do the best in <laughs> sure they pronounce names right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I take it to heart sometimes. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to this really exciting episode where we'll highlight a lot of data analytics, a lot of, you know what, before we get into it, how about you each give me a quick introduction about who you are, what you do, and then we'll introduce Method MI. Uh, I'll go first, and then you can do the the intro, Shalin, because uh, you are better at it. Um, my name is Mark Goldberg, uh, the CRO, Chief Revenue Officer of Method Media Intelligence. Uh, I've been with the company since January of uh, 2000, before the world ended up collapsing. And 2020. 2020, Jesus. It's a I, I was going to say, wow. We're, yeah, we're in month, uh, what are we in, month 17 of 2020 right now? Yeah, it's, we started the company when I was in fourth grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Segway to uh, you. My name is Shalandar. I am the founder and CEO of MMI. And uh, just a little bit about MMI. It's the next generation of digital ad measurement that offers comprehensive measurement and verification solution uh, for the first time in a very easy to implement manner. It's two lines of code, it takes 15 minutes and it can cover an advertiser that spends $10,000 a month or $25 million a month. We do verification, but we also enable supply path mapping in a very complex marketplace. And we serve essentially as uh, not just a measurement and verification solution, but also a verified data warehouse for advertisers and agencies. So our team is building the platform that we hope uh, and aim for uh, to become the Bloomberg terminal for online ad transactions. Okay, that's a great intro and segue into what we're going to talk about today, which I'm really excited about because I don't know enough of the subject and I should. Um, we will talk about your article, Mark, specifically. It's called Why Privet Alone Only Provides a False Sense of Security. And it's on the Ad Exchanger. It will be in the show notes, everyone. But I'm sure if you go to adexchanger.com, you'll be able to find this article rather easily. So, Mark, can you give us like your top, four or five points of the article. I'm, I'm going to be very frank and I'm not going to edit anything out. Um, I read the article twice. <laughs> I don't think I'm able to confidently recap the article, which I usually do for the listeners. So I'm not even going to fake it. I am just going to let you, the pro, explain the article and then we can take it from there. Well, I think you actually just said it, fake it to make it, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think- <laughs> Until uh, we become. 
you, you know, the, the, the article tries to address something that I think I hear a lot in the marketplace is, oh, we don't need you. We have pre-bid or, hey, hey, we got this covered. We have something. We, we, we think we have something or, or I think we have something. Mm-hmm. And so this really digs into kind of how pre-bid works from a fundamental, like how the pipes are connected. Mm-hmm. Um, gets into the details. So I don't know how far you want me to get in, but the, there are, you know, Give it all in. RTB protocols and how that all works is, you know, the signals are going back and forth between buyer and seller in the auction. And there's a limited amount that's given to, to the, the, uh, in, into the machines around trying to figure out what's human and what's not. And I, you know, that's kind of where it starts is to try to help everyone understand what is, what's available okay. as well as what it's limited. And some of it's, you know, to some extent, not as reliable as you may imagine. Got it. I think the main point that we, Mark and I, try to express to customers all the time is an impression is not an impression to everybody. It means different things to every company in the transaction chain. And at every stage of kind of the life cycle of an ad opportunity becoming an ad impression, Mm -hmm. there's different data that's available for the purposes of verification and targeting and filtering. And in a pre-bid context, you don't have full measurement. It's literally just, you know, based on bitstream data, that's all server-side. There's no client-side measurement on the actual user's device. And that's what we continually try to emphasize is that's why it's good to send people to the articles. The picture that Mark chose is mm-hmm. the perfect yeah, it's <laughs> uh, The concept we're talking about is, yeah, okay, the gate there, but all I need to do is walk around it. Yeah, there's it. So it's for for those who haven't seen the the article, read the article yet, or seen the pictures he's referring to, is literally. I think it looks like an entrance into maybe a an apartment building, and then there's a gate with a door. But there's literally just that. That's it. Just imagining like a a metal, not a metal door, but like a door right yeah, there. But there's like it's, it's not attached to anything. Like it's detached, and so you can easily walk around. Break it down even further for us. So maybe I don't understand exactly what you are calling pre-bid or what pre-bid is here, but what exactly is that? Um, the way I defined it was any pre-bid filters, like if I'm setting up a campaign, for instance, in DV360, and I have the brand safety um, filters that I check in, I don't want to serve on negative news or I don't want to serve on political content. That is what I call pre-bid before. Is that how yeah. we're identifying so- it here? Yeah, so I think that it, that goes along with what we're talking about in the overall definition of pre-bid. So pre-bid is referring to targeting as well as filtering that is done before a bid is placed in an auction. A bid request gets sent out by an SSP or an ad exchange to all the various buyers that they have integrations with. The all the active campaigns in any sort of any DSP have the opportunity to place a bid. Mm-hmm if it fits their targeting. You can also reject the opportunity for various reasons. And that's what the article uh, outlines is, you know, you can reject a bid for not just inbound traffic reasons, but content category reasons, uh, frequency reasons. You know, if you've already seen this user, obviously that that's going to be changing next year, but <laughs> the uh, we're not there yet. <laughs> you can reject the opportunity to place a bid in auctions for any reason that you decide. But the information that you have available at that stage is limited to what's in the bid request. And so that's what we're talking about with pre-bid is 
you can't analyze a robot's behavior in a pre-bid context. And that's what we want uh, the wider market to understand. And, and I was more referring to just the invalid traffic rather than the yeah, brand yeah, safety yeah. and suitability. There's a whole other thing we can tackle with safety and suitability. And that'll probably be my article in a couple more weeks. Mm-hmm. But we can have another conversation, but it was really about IVT. And as you're relying on the signals of IP address and how easy it is to spoof an IP address. I mean, you can go into Google and I kind of outlined, you can do that. I don't encourage people to do that because I don't want people to understand how easy it is to commit these little uh, fraudulent activities, but it it is that easy. And, and, And so if you know that it's that easy and people are doing it, well, then you're relying on something that everyone knows can be spoofed and gamed. And we see, you know, and we've done free audits and I can offer all of your, you know, customers listening now as a, as, as a free uh, test with, with MMI. We've seen in tests, people putting pre-bid on and we're still finding six to 7% invalid traffic. With pre-bid with, on. With pre-bid on. And, 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 and I want to say there's a lot more traffic that they're catching. And, I, I, and that's kind of the point is you, you don't just want to do one thing. And I think a lot of the experts and a lot of the people on the, in the ecosystem just gravitate to one thing around, hey, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. Actually, when you start doing a lot of things, it does work. You can help reduce your, 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 your invalid activity, um, but it's not going to go away. Nothing's going away. I think you're being very diplomatic, Mark, by I am. saying that <laughs> I am. You, know, you, you can do more than that. But I think the concern that you just expressed about we have pre-bid is, they don't want to pay for you know another 15, 20, 25 cent CPM pre-bid on every potential auction and then again post-bid after they've won the auction. Because then you've essentially gotten to another 50 cents CPM on your media buys just for verification and uh, any sort of measurement. So our point has been because pre-bid is limited you should focus your efforts on doing the filtering and the blocking and the verification post-bid when you have full access to do you know, essentially the full measurement process rather than having to do some pre-bid and others post-bid. But how, how would we do that? So I'm trying to understand. So if we do it all post-bid, we already won the auction, we already won the impression. Now we know that that particular impression percentage or that source is high in IVT. Right. So, well, you don't know that from your pre-bid data. You don't know. I don't reporting. Oh, okay. you just, you just check the box and then get charged a CPM and kind of hope for the best. Right. That's true. Okay. You bring a good point. So it's just reactive um, initiative at this point, because we wouldn't know in the pre-bid unless we're targeting like a white list. And even so there's only, so how about we just define IVT invalid traffic here? Uh, I know like Moat defines it very differently than uh, a few other vendors. What is IVT? Invalid traffic is- What does it represent, I mean? So I think let's go with the MRC definitions Mm -hmm. um, rather than any particular uh, technology vendor. Mm The I guess that that might be confusing if we go by MRC definition. So the MRC differentiates two different types of methodologies for detecting invalid traffic. Mm -hmm. And invalid traffic as a general term refers to traffic or web events that are either essentially not human or Mm -hmm. not valid for the monetization with Mm. advertisements. And so, you know, that includes things like, you know, crawlers. It includes things like, um, you know, automated browsers, it includes ad stacking, 
yeah. where you know ad units that are not actually loaded viewable to an actual user are sending out bid requests and getting filled and actually being monetized. So all kind of encompassing, you know, everybody can have different definitions and there's lots of different cases of invalid traffic, but it's something that explicitly cannot give any return to an advertiser on their investment in the media. Got it. I think it's, that's why, um, okay. So anything, so that's why non-human traffic, but bot-like traffic is considered IVT. I think also, um, is data centers considered IVT in some extent, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Depends on how inflated, you inflated. Depends on how you check data centers. Right. But, you know, Data centers have become the main source of non-human traffic across the web. You know, mm. we still see a lot of the popular narrative because, you know, there's a kind of boogeyman image that you can atta- attach to it is the hackers and the botnets and you know, the malware. But the majority of automated traffic is coming from data centers. And that's for two primary reasons. One is if I'm just trying to make money on selling traffic, I don't want the whole legal problem of Interpol coming after me or the FBI coming after me for distributing malware, Yeah. right? I'm not trying to get to people's financial information. I'm not trying to hack into, you know, a lab. I'm not trying to hack into a pharmaceutical company. I just want to sell traffic. So I don't want all those legal problems. And being a customer of a cloud provider or a data center doesn't invite those issues. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is scale. Scale is far easier in a data center uh, in a cloud environment than it is with uh, a botnet that's based on malware infections. I don't have to infect another 500,000 machines or increase my load on the existing machines in my network to increase my traffic. I just essentially scale up the instances in the cloud and I can go from you know 50 concurrent browsers to 50,000 concurrent browsers and all have gigabit internet connections and nothing will get lost in the code execution. But oh, great point. And this is what we identified as a company with our research in 2017. And we patented the approach to detect data center machines versus human operable machines by checking the graphics hardware because data centers don't have screens. They don't need screens. It's only humans that need screens. The computer does its thing. Whether there's a screen attached to it or not. That's the foundation of our approach is actually differentiating between the hardware rather than tracking the users. So I just want to jump in. So so something Sean says said is very important in that people trying to get malware on your computer, that's a real crime and people will come after you. And that malware also can get off of your computer by having whatever a program like big Microsoft or Apple trying to be able to get it off. Mm-hmm. But when you go back to IP addresses and and data centers, if the data center gets seen that this is a bad one, it goes on a list and it's on on a, on a list that you say, Hey, do not accept any ads from this IP IP bad Mm -hmm. IP address. It's bad. That's what we're saying in the article is people can understand that and reverse engineer and say, Hey, instead of being one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, now I'm going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's why you mentioned the IP address. Um, yes, and that, that's the importance of the IP address. And that's one of the signals. And that signal is known to the bad guys, if we will. I, I, we all hate that topic, but uh, <laughs> so, yeah. guys, that they can change it. And it's that simple. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So we have to worry about the damn third-party cookie deprecation. Now we've low-key always had to worry about fraudulent traffic. So how do you position yourself uh, in this as a leader 
of um, measurement. How do you present your position yourself with your client, you know, with uh, the cookie deprecation, for instance? We never used cookies. So mm -hmm. we're just sitting back and eating our popcorn and <laughs> watching the chaos. I'm going to try to insert that meme of Michael I, I Jackson do. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, I would say, I, I would say like we had the opportunity as being a second mover to address something that was really clear to us. And that when GDPR came aboard, everyone was like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> we, we, we were building a product at, at that time. And so we decided not to be reliant on cookies. So we also measure hundred percent of the uh, impression events, mm -hmm. other, other vendors would sample. And so between those two things, we decided that, hey, we can see the world and it's all about receipts and really about the transactions. And you don't need to introduce any PII when you're just about the transactional data. And that, I think, is the most important part that we're trying to communicate to the marketplace that they, if the, as they understand the world does not need cookies, yeah. especially for measurement. We just, you just need to know if it's working or not working and then figure out the rest. Obviously, there's no attribution questions and answers that you'll have to figure out. But since we're able to tie a lot of these pieces together, we can do last click attribution for you and make sure that you understand if your user is a human or not. And we can do some other analysis and you can reach out to me. But the, 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 the thing that I would say is it, you should be having as a as an agency a conversation mm -hmm. with all of your vendors around cookies and why they're why they're needed because that at that point is putting they're putting you at risk and so yeah, I'm not a lawyer I play one on TV but that's really where it stops and so wait, ask wait. those questions that's important you're um, just not gonna go over what you just said just nonchalantly like he does not you, play one on TV um yeah, you did you or did not play one on TV and I if not, yes. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have a radio face. That's why I'm really upset that this is a video right now. <laughs> you know, when you do a podcast, it's usually, it's an audio thing. I don't know if you heard about this. It's an audio thing. And now we're on screen and I, you know, right. I didn't cut my hair properly today and I'm wearing a t-shirt that, you know, hopefully you guys all like. Anyway, um, before we move into the closing segment, can you give me like a quick live case studies on when a client of yours and maybe if you can highlight the industry or um, the type of client it was, whenever you work with them, they saw X amount of performance increase because they were able to, I don't know, get rid of, I mean, um, exclude this amount of EVT traffic or work closely with this vendor or because you did mention uh, supply path optimization earlier. So I'm just trying to understand like, okay, how can we like literally implement things and execute on the, the knowledge we just gained? Yeah, we measure our customer success, not by performance increase, but waste, mm -hmm. waste mitigation. So waste. how much okay. waste were we able to identify and then remove from the buying process? Okay. And so it really is, you know, our roots are as a consultancy. And I think even when we've, you know, developed the product and rolled it out and become a, you know, primarily technology offering, that consultative side has still uh, stayed as part of our practice. We start by just looking at what's being paid for. And we did a whole series of webinars last year about billable events and mm -hmm. how, you know, I mentioned this at the beginning, but an impression is not an impression to everybody. SSPs and exchanges are generating bid requests. Sometimes, often, they turn into actual completed auctions. That is still not an ad impression. Yeah. So the numbers you see in a DSP in a bidding platform 
are not ad impressions. They're not ads. They're just one opportunities Mm. for placing ads. And if you're being billed just on those numbers and not reconciling that against the actual number of ads that you've served, which would be counted in your ad server, that's on average 12 to 15% waste just evaporating right there. And we don't like to get into the fee structures of one platform versus another. It's literally just about what no. numbers are being billed off of. I agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether the DSP charges you 3% as the fee or 30% as the fee, if you're paying for 100 auctions that were won when you only served 85 ads, that's the, that's the problem you can attack right away uh, rather than having to renegotiate a bunch of contracts at a holding company level or you know, whatever complex, you know, action would need to be taken. So we start there and then we actually implement our measurement in the ad server. And the, you know, deployment takes five minutes, honestly, with somebody that's never implemented an event tag before. Okay. Uh, it usually goes 15, 20 minutes because the highs, hellos, and, you know, all that part. But uh, my small talk probably ruins it. Yeah. It's pretty quick. I mean, and then immediately we populate across every live campaign uh, in the ad server. This is fascinating. I think we can talk about it for another couple hours, but. Oh, yeah. Be respectful of your month. time. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime, indeed. So, in closing, I just have a couple questions for y'all. If you can each share one fun fact about yourself, Mark, outside of your uh, surprising in the closet acting career, what is one fun (laughs) thing you can can share with us? We already know that. So you have to. I'm an open book. I'm an open book. No, um, I was not on TV. Sorry. I was just making a fun reference. Um, (laughs) What would I tell anyone? I don't know. I mean, everyone pretty much knows I'm an open book. Um, Surprise one fact. Shalon, you go. What do we got? Uh, I, how about I do your fun fact and you can do mine. Oh, I'm scared. Go Ooh. for it. Mark. The one I know. Has, uh, very established legal scholars in his family. And Ooh. he is the complete opposite. As a <laughs> oh, okay. He has also lived in California and Chicago and New York. Those are fun facts. That Those are fun um, facts indeed. Um, Shalin is to me the one person that understands ad fraud and technology um, better than I would say 99.7% of the people at this point of the world. Um, and the reason I say that is because I actually followed him prior on LinkedIn and I would like, what's he saying today? Mm-hmm. And so the fun fact is he's written little books. He's been part of lawsuits and he really has a good understanding of how all the ecosystem pieces work together. And it's enabled us actually to create a product that addresses a lot of the missing components as well as the future proof of the world of what we think is going to, is really going to be changing. So um, that wasn't so fun. Um, I don't want to embarrass him, but yeah, I could probably you can say the, you can say the circus version. Um, nah, nah. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, he thinks Jay-Z is the best rapper and I think Nas is, but anyway. Um, oh my gosh, we're not even going to get into this conversation because we'll get into that two hours right now, okay? You cannot ask me to, I, I place the Hey, you can stop one. recording. Me and Shalon are still going to debate this. <laughs> he's looking for his Rockefeller hat that he's going to wear. Yeah. <laughs> so where's my wife? Put it away, by the way. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just do this. Okay. Uh- <laughs> 
I am a very big Beyonce fan, so but I would not take sides here. Yeah, not take sides. I'm gonna give him some ether a little later. Oh, Mm. oh boy. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a fun experience. I know it's not going to be the last time, but just in case somebody wants to reach out to both of you, uh, how can they do that? Find me on LinkedIn. I'm visible. Yes, please email him and I'll have his information in the show notes and on any social media that we'll push. So we'll make sure to tag him. So thank you again for making the time for us. And I hope you have a wonderful end of the day. And I hope you had a great Mother's Day. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining the conversation and we hope you enjoyed it. Please do us three small favors. Follow us on Apple iTunes and leave us a review. Like and comment on all social media. Sign up to our newsletter on the website, programmaticdigest.com, which sends you one reminder every new episode or once a month as a recap. For any articles, topics, and the guest information, you can find it in the show notes on our website, programmaticdigest.com. Thank you and stay curious, my friend.